You're listening to a podcast from the Queen Mary Centre for the History of the Emotions. We've created this series of short audio pieces to introduce listeners to what we do. As historians of emotions, we look to the past to understand our feelings in the present. My name is Thomas Dixon, and when I was asked to do something for this podcast on anger, I immediately thought of the Roman philosopher Seneca. Like me, he really hated anger. So much so that he wrote a whole book against it. I'm a big fan of it, and here's some of what he had to say about that polymorphous evil. You've pressed me to prescribe a way of soothing anger. From this, I infer that you have rightly come to fear this passion, especially and above all, as foul and frenzied. Some wise men have said that anger is a brief madness, for it is no less lacking in self-control, forgetful of decency, unmindful of personal ties, unrelentingly intent on its goal, shut off from rational deliberation, stirred for no substantial reason, unsuited to discerning what's fair and true, just like a collapsing building that's reduced to rubble even as it crushes what it falls upon. As madmen exhibit specific symptoms, so do angry people show the same. Their eyes blaze and flicker, their faces flush deeply as the blood surges up from the depths of the heart. Their lips quiver and their teeth grind, their hair bristles and stands on end, their breathing is forced and ragged, their joints crack as they're wrenched, they groan and bellow, their speech is inarticulate and halting, they repeatedly clap their hands together and stamp the ground. Their entire bodies are aroused as they act out anger's massive menace. All the other categories that distinguish different kinds of anger with a differentiated terminology in Greek lack their own labels in Latin, and so I'll pass them by. Though it's true that we use the terms amarus and acerbus, as also stomachosus and rabiosus, and clamosus and difficilis and asper, which are all different forms of anger. You can also include among these morosus, a hypersensitive sort of wrathfulness. There are certain forms of anger that simmer down short of shouting, some that are both frequent and difficult to shake, some that are savagely physical and not very verbal, some that are let loose in a torrent of bitter abuse and curses, some forms don't go beyond complaining and sulking, some are deep and weighty and inward-turning. There are a thousand other varieties of this polymorphous evil. Good men become angry when their friends and family are wronged. But they do the same thing if their hot bath is not properly prepared, if a glass gets broken, if their shoe is spattered with mud. It's not a sense of devotion that stirs that kind of anger, it's weakness the sort proper to children who weep just as much whether they've lost their parents or some hazelnuts. To become angry on behalf of one's friends and family is the mark of a weak mind, not a mind devoted to duty. And even if anger, like poison or falling off a cliff or shipwreck, 
has at some time been unexpectedly helpful. It shouldn't be judged healthy, for often pestilential events have had salutary results. And if the wise man should always be angry at shameful behaviour and be riled and gloomy because of criminal behaviour, he must be the most troubled man in the world. He'll pass his entire life in anger and grief. For if each and every person who has a warped and mischievous nature ought to be punished, no one will be exempt. To keep from being angry with individuals, you must forgive all at once. The human race should be granted a pardon. For how much better it is to heal an injury than to avenge it. People inclined to anger should give up unusually demanding fields of study. Their minds shouldn't be employed on hard subjects, but should be entrusted to the pleasant arts. Let them be soothed by reading poetry and beguiled by legends from history. The goal is a softer and more comfortable mental regimen. Pythagoras used to play the lyre to settle his mind when it was upset. Looking at green objects helps when our vision is all a jumble. Some colours calm our glance when it's unsteady. We ought to avoid the forum, advocacy, the courts, and all pursuits that irritate the vice of anger. Yet the greatest remedy for anger is postponement. We shouldn't control anger, but destroy it entirely. For what control is there for a thing that's fundamentally wicked? And nothing is more conducive to this than contemplating our own mortality. At the morning shows in the arena, we often see a bull and a bear tethered together and set to fighting. When each has had at the other, each is handed over to a waiting executioner. We do the same thing when we provoke someone who's bound to us, though the same end looms indeed at no great distance for both victor and vanquished. We should rather spend the little bit of time we have quietly and at peace. For now, while we breathe and are among our fellow humans, let's cherish the qualities that make us human. Let's cause no one fear or peril. Let's show we're above losses and injuries, above abuse and carping. Let's bear our brief inconveniences magnanimously. As the saying goes, no sooner do we turn and look around than death is at our elbow. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Queen Mary Centre for the History of the Emotions. It's part of the Living with Feeling project funded by the Wellcome Trust. We hope it helps you feel better.